Welcome to The Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Scott, with Compassion International. The Word of God is filled with the voices of mothers, daughters, sisters, and wives. Each of their stories shows us different sides of God's kindness, love, and faithfulness, and how that faithfulness is just as active and present today as it was thousands of years ago. The Faithful Project is a gathering of female poets, songwriters, authors, and storytellers, creating a space for them to dive into the stories of the ancient and mysterious women of the Word and to learn and share about their own stories in the process. We are so glad you've joined us today as we speak of what we've seen. In today's episode, the founder of Grace Lace, Ruth Cho Simons, and singer-songwriters Leslie Jordan and Taylor Linhart gather for a challenging discussion around the story of Leah from Genesis. Together, they unpack how God uses messy stories with imperfect characters, just like us, to bring about righteousness and fulfillment. In the midst of a crisis or injustice, sometimes the only thing we can do is give our situation up to God. Let's dive in. I'm Ruth Jo Simons. I am an artist and author and the founder of gracelace.com. But more importantly, I'm a mama to six boys. My oldest is 18 and my youngest is seven. And um, in previous seasons of life, my husband was a headmaster and a preaching pastor, but we are now full-time together with Grace Laced and raising those crazy kids, homeschooling and running a business together. So, wow. Yeah. That's so it you, in a nutshell. you don't slow down your life then? Well... Thankfully, you know, we don't have a lot of distractions. We're up on a hill doing life together, trying to... So, you know, this whole thing with quarantining hasn't been super hard for us because we're kind of used to it. (laughs) It's amazing. I'm Taylor Linhart. Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter, originally from Texas. That's where I grew up. Um, And then spent about a decade in North Carolina, in Raleigh, and most recently... uh, just a few months ago, moved to Nashville. But I'm a singer-songwriter and have a solo uh, career as well as um, I'm also one half of a duo called Mission House with my friend Jess Ray, and we write contemporary songs for the church. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun to be in a band with one of your best friends. So Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying that. I'm Leslie Jordan, and I'm originally from East Tennessee and uh, moved to Nashville to go to school. And I've been here uh, with a like a brief hiatus. Um, for I've been here since 2003, so the math is 17 years. <laughs> yeah. Sheesh. Wow. 17. Um, and uh, I was in a band called All Sons and Daughters for about eight years and toured and made records in that band. And then uh, for the last four years, I've been writing songs with other artists in Nashville and um, and hanging out with my husband and our three-year-old son, Judah. And uh, we just recently moved to uh, like a 10-acre like mini farm. Oh, wow. And uh, it's pretty awesome, but we're having to learn how to like, you know, take care of the earth in... Um, things I've always wanted to do. And um, so, yeah, we're like growing grapes and 
all kinds of crazy things right now, wow. which is awesome. awesome. Yeah. I feel like there is the plot of the of a sitcom just waiting to happen. Definitely. There, you know? I, yeah, yeah. I think I texted you a couple of weeks ago and I said, things I've Googled that I... <laughs> <laughs> totally. uh, what does bear poop look like? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> things I never thought I'd have to Google before I'm Googling now. So thank yeah. God for Google. Um, well, we've been uh, given the the conversation around the, the biblical character Leah. So maybe we can just start by talking about some of the things that we read about her story um, and maybe mm-hmm. just having like a dialogue around who Leah was, mm-hmm. uh, maybe give some context to who she was in the Bible, and then we can go into more of that later. So Ruth, if you want to. I think, I think Leah, the story of Leah is one of those that if you come to the scriptures and you want neat and tidy formula for your life, if you want a pretty story that makes you feel like, wow, doesn't everybody want to just run to Christianity? This is not one of those. This is not that story, story. (laughs) right? And I think that in some ways for those of us who truly taste the sweetness of redemption and we understand what it is to be in Christ, we recognize only God can redeem the very impossible. Mm. Only God can make a really ugly story um, truly for his purpose and for him to ultimately show his purposes throughout history for a moment that seems really, really painful and ugly. And, you know, we could have worshipped a God who left out all the nitty-gritty and just put this perfect um, story together that looks like nothing ever goes wrong, but we get the account of real pain and real hurt and um, real disappointment. And I think this story of Leah is all those things. It's rejection. It's um, betrayal. It's disappointment. It's questioning God. It's mm-hmm. questioning self-worth. It's all those things that mm-hmm. um, as modern women, we all have versions of this. We all struggle with this, the secret pain that we read in the person of Leah. Maybe not the same circumstance. My goodness, mm-hmm. not the same circumstances, yeah. right? But, um, but I think it's good for us to remember as we read her story, as we think about her story, that nothing is too hard for God to Mm. redeem. And that at the end of all things, like God is after someone's heart more than having perfect circumstances come to fruition. I have to admit that as someone who would probably say, oh yeah, I've read the Bible. When I came back to the story before our conversation, I think I had to honestly go, I did did not know this story as well Mm -hmm. as I thought I did. Like there were some, I don't know. I feel like maybe just for the listener's yeah. sake, <laughs> like, it's kind of like there's some surprising things in there yeah. that you sort of forget. Yeah. Do you, you mind? Know. Do you mind telling us, like, as a like potential first time reader of the story, give us a give us your account, like. Sure, sure. So I was reading it, going, okay, wait. I think I in my head I thought right. There's Leah and Rachel, and Rachel's. The, this is my like. Yeah, you know, no, yeah. That's, that's I think that's Real what's going to be so good. Yes. Give, us, give us, give us, yeah. oh, Rachel's the pretty one. Like yeah. Jacob, Jacob really wants Rachel, yeah. and then he like Leah kind of gets tossed in there. She has like sleepy eyes or something like that. Is <laughs> right. Weak right. eyes. Are, yeah. There's so many Weak phrases eyes. in this. I have questions right. about. Yeah. Uh, so many questions. I yeah. think I think the surprise and the thing I didn't know or that the new information to me this time as an adult was oh actually. Um, it was Leah and Rachel's father mm-hmm. sort of, there was some trickery mm-hmm. and some dishonesty and manipulation happening. And I think you just realize there's kind of these two women who unfortunately are the, you know, kind of the pawns in this weird right. thing that's going on. I yeah. think that maybe hearing the story as a 
young person or a kid, maybe that got glossed over. Right. And I think as an adult, I thought, wow, this is really, there's a lot happening here and a lot of layers to this story. So I'm excited for this conversation just to, for my own heart to kind of understand. Mm-hmm. I love what you said just about this is not a neat and tidy story. Yeah. And I don't, you know, none of us probably have real neat and tidy lives. So yeah. Yeah. It's a story of Leah trying to win the love of her husband mm-hmm. by thinking that if she bear, would could bear him children, that he'll for sure love her mm-hmm. and not Rachel. And And I think about all the times in which we think, if I could just reach this success, if I could just get that person's approval, if I mm. could, if I could just reach this goal, I will arrive and then I will get what I want and right. people will see me and know me or care for me or affirm me as who I am, whether that's a romantic relationship or not. I mean, this is the most painful story because this is about wanting to be desired and loved by your husband. Yeah. And that's, painful for me even to say out loud. I can't imagine the heartache. But we all relate, even if we don't relate to her particular story, we relate to the thought that if I could just make the circumstances align right, Mm -hmm. my life will go the way I plan. And when God doesn't orchestrate it that way, you start having this like sense of, what am I doing wrong? What, What do I need to do to make everything line up so that I can actually like Get get the life I want. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, you think you think to the beginning of this story, and w- what was afforded to to Leah in the story? W- was there even an opportunity for her to say, "This is what I want for my life"? Right. right. So that's a good point. There yeah. is that um, that part of the story where it's like, "This decision was made for you." Mm-hmm. And, and even Taylor, to your point, like I remember hearing the story, definitely not from Leah's perspective. Mm-hmm. I always heard it from Jacob's perspective, mm-hmm. which is. Well, Jacob did what what his mm. you know uncle asked him to do, and and then his uncle tricked him and gave him the wrong wife. You know, it was like mm-hmm. I still I remember hearing it through that lens, mm-hmm. and so now as an adult listening back to that and hearing now through that lens of Leah, and going okay, well maybe her life didn't start in a manner which she had you know control over. Um, but what I think is beautiful is it transitions into this place for her of. Um, kind of this awakening in and of herself. We we don't hear her perspective in the front of the story, but then the end of the story, we actually do. And it is that internal dialogue of maybe this time mm-hmm. he will love me. Maybe this time he will love me. And then we get to the end of the story and it says, this time I will mm-hmm. praise God. Yeah. And so it, it, something changes and we don't, we don't get to see what that right. is necessarily. Right. But yeah, that you can be so focused on the one thing that you want, but maybe you get something different, um, in the process, but maybe it's even better. And you're right. We don't get to, I mean, it's one of those things where you just wish you could peel back the layers and know exactly what was going on in her mind and how things changed for her. But I think the amazing thing is that in the story, we get to see what desperations, none of us want desperation. None of us want to get to that point where we go, okay, I give up. I literally, Mm. you know, but she does, she literally is like, okay, nothing is working. And what we see is that desperation is sometimes truly a mercy. It's a mercy from God that he would draw us near with our desperation. We're so desperate that we ultimately go, none of this will satisfy and I can't reach this goal. I can't get what I want. So ultimately, 
I need to return back to what I really, what my soul really needs Hmm. and praising God and really being, Hmm. being really um, satisfied in him and looking to God, her father, Mm -hmm. as that satisfaction instead of this pursuit and this desire. Um, Yes, she ultimately found that. She ultimately discovered that in a way that she wouldn't, if everything was going her way. Right. Yeah. I'm curious to know, has there been any part, I know, because this is, it is kind of such a weird story, but um, was there any part of that story that you felt like overlapped in your life or um, maybe some of the things we just discussed? Do you... Is there a part of that that resonates with with you and your story? Yeah, well, I that was my thought was, man, these these Leah and Rachel, her sister, are living in this society that is pretty hard to relate to, and you know, <laughs> yeah, we're in like twenty first century like American mm-hmm. society. Uh, it's kind of hard to relate to this culture where women are viewed more as property right. and kind of given by their, so I think that you have to almost come to the story recognizing that divide. But right away for me, there was those twinges of recognition and even like these universal truths of being a woman. And the first thing that gets, you know, commented on about Leah's sister is her beauty. Mm -hmm. And Leah's immediately labeled by her lack of that. And her, um, you know, Rachel's a beautiful one. Leah's not um, and Leah has, I don't know if, if either of you know exactly what that, her eyes are weak. I'm curious about that. But for me, I think, you know, I really relate to that. Never kind of growing up, never feeling like I was the pretty girl that my best friends were always kind of the beautiful ones Mm -hmm. that would, you know, get asked to home coming and, had boyfriends and I was kind of just like, oh, and I always felt like, well, I need to make up for that with something else, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'll be the funny one or I'll be really great at school. Um, I'll find other ways to kind of be impressive or or make my mark in the world because I do think that's a huge thing for us and just that even now, all these years later, that is often the first thing that people notice about us, see yeah. about us. It's how, and honestly, it's not just men, you know, noticing women that way. It's that we do that with each other right. so much, you right. know, in the way we talk about our girlfriends or, mm-hmm. you know, people we know or celebrities is often like this, but these standards of physical beauty yeah. and, um, man, so that just struck me in this story. Yeah. And kind of like this woman who really is desperate, like you said, maybe to be beautiful, desirable, but also like it made me think, what is it that we really want? Is Mm -hmm. it to be the pretty girl or is it to be loved, Mm -hmm. you know, and to belong um, to someone? So I was born in Taiwan. I'm an immigrant and um, moved to the United States when I was almost five and I've been writing a little bit more about it. so I've been tapping a little bit more into my my story. But as I was reading this story, I, you can't go through um, the whole being an Asian, immigrating to the United States. You can't go through that without immediately registering with the feeling of, wow, I there were a lot of comments about my eyes. Mm. There were a lot of comments about um, disparaging comments all my life, you know, disparaging comments about my face shape or my eyes. And they were always made in jest, right? Mm. Always just to be funny or um, 
comments about me not having eyelashes or things like that. Mm. And so it's interesting to read something like this and go, oh, I don't relate to the actual historical story here, the, yeah. the context, but I understand what it feels to not be the chosen one, to mm. not feel like, mm. you know, when there are dates, just like you're saying, Taylor, mm-hmm. like when, when people are picking their dates to not be the first person chosen. Well, not even chosen on the volleyball team or whatever, you know, you know because I wasn't all that sporty. But there are lots of things I wasn't chosen for. But, you know, just to immediately in your heart feel that sense of I'm not chosen because I'm an outsider, hmm. because I, I don't belong, because hmm. I don't look right, because I'm not that person who wins mm-hmm. in this category. And so, you know, I think that one of the things that stands out to me in Genesis 29 in this account here is that God saw, God saw mm. that she was not loved. Mm. And the scriptures say that God had compassion there and he saw this. And, and you know, as a young girl um, who did not yet know Jesus, I didn't feel seen. Mm. I felt absolutely invisible. And mm. the times that I wasn't invisible, I felt seen for the wrong things. And, mm. um, and so I think the the encouragement to any listener, any sister here who's listening, um, who feels really unseen or invisible or passed over and never the one that's chosen, never the one that's said some, you know, has some compliment said of, um, God sees mm. and knows the heartaches and the times of rejection, the times that you kind of cover up, like Taylor said, with a joke or kind of like, ha ha. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I let a hurt, like a condescending comment, a racial comment, Mm -hmm. go, just go by. And I was young and didn't know how to respond to it and just kind of laughed it off and went along with it. And that rejection can hurt so much. And so when you read this account, what I love about scripture is that God uses the word to accomplish so many things. Here we're reading ultimately the whole story of redemption unfold, not mm-hmm. in this exact chapter, in this exact moment, but ultimately it builds to the yeah. entire story. But we also see God's compassion and love and ultimately his wooing of Leah's heart. Yeah. The desire is ultimately not here, here's the circumstance you want, but here I am. Yeah. Here I am. Have me. Have, God mm-hmm. saying, you know, come to me and let me be the desire of your heart. And he doesn't say that in so many words, but you see that ultimately the, tr- the turning point, like you said, Leslie, mm-hmm. is her saying this time, nothing's working, but this time I'm going to mm-hmm. choose to praise God, yeah. even if I don't get the circumstances I want or the um, acceptance or the belonging I want. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie, what about you? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, I resonate with all those things. I think... Um... I would like to say thank you. Thank you so much to my sponsor, Jeff and Bonnie Mori. We are Jeff and Bonnie Mori, and we had the opportunity to sponsor Nora over 20 some years ago. It's not just us. It's a whole team. It's a whole army of people that God mobilizes in order to affect change in the life of a child. I hope I see you one day. I love you so much, wherever you are. How about today? To see the rest of Nora's amazing story, visit Faithful's YouTube page and our socials at Faithful Project. The links are in the show notes. Leslie, what about you? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, gosh, I resonate with all those things. I think, um, 
you know, I, I feel like growing up, I was always kind of a woman in a man's world. You know, I did things and I remember, you know, always getting the comment like, oh, you play guitar like a man. And I'd be like, why can't I just play guitar like a girl? Like, <laughs> why does that have to, why does that have to be the the thing? And so I always, I definitely always felt like what you said, where it was like, I, I felt like I stood out for some of the wrong reasons or, mm-hmm. or the reasons I didn't want to sure. stand out. Sure. Um, but, you know, even, I think even more specifically for me in this story was, um, we, um, three years ago, we adopted our son Judah mm-hmm. and we were, um, you know, looking through names, um, and, you know, kind of praying through what, what name we wanted to give him. And I, I didn't expect that naming a child would be such a big thing. Um, and the, it weighed really heavily on me, um, because part of our story was, um, we, the beginning of 2016, we had a miscarriage and then I went through, um, I went through thyroid surgery where they thought I had cancer. Um, luckily I didn't, but there was a lot of time spent, you know, trying to figure out if we're going to have a family and, and that process was long. And I know that that is, um, a lot of women's stories. And, um, and so just thinking through, okay, if, and when we're able to have kids, naming them felt like such an important thing. And they have, did you know they have apps for naming kids now? Like tender <laughs> apps for naming kids where you can like literally swipe right and left oh, for wow. names that you like. So we'd be on like long road trips and be like, okay, well, what about boys' names? And we'd like swipe. Oh, you know? wow. And um, and I remember we kept landing on like Jude and different things like that. And we got to Judah and and I remember thinking, I want to know more about what that name means. And mm-hmm. so I started digging into the word and reading more about the Hebrew, yada, and it literally means to praise God, to throw your hands up in mm-hmm. praise. And and really this kind of like, when I hear Leah's story, I go kind of this resolution of mm-hmm. um, surrender. Mm-hmm. And um, and so reading that and then, and then thinking about kind of our story and our timeline and getting to this place of... Um, you know, becoming parents and being, um, given our son from Mm -hmm. his birth mother Mm -hmm. and thinking that the opportunity to name him, it felt so much more important. And so in that moment for us, it was, okay, we want to worship God through this moment. And Mm -hmm. so I just remember that part of Leah's story really being important for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but then reading back through the story and going, wow, this woman, this woman's life was marred by invisibility and, mm-hmm. and not having a place and being used and being manipulated. And, um, and then that internal dialogue for her of, I'm going to give God mm-hmm. praise even now, and especially now in this. And, um, so that was kind of, that was the part of the story for me that really, you know, I think stood out was just in the naming of our, mm-hmm. of our boy. So, I yeah, I think that's a really interesting part of this story in general, the naming mm-hmm. and well, I've named a dog. I've never named <laughs> a child, but naming is so uh, interesting to me. And I know, again, you know, I, I, I'm no scholar uh, when it comes to the Bible, but I think the name, the naming in this story feels like a conversation, yeah. you know, cause we can't really know what were Leah's prayers? Right. You know, what were those conversations yeah. she was having with God at night when she was feeling, you know, used by her father, rejected by her husband? What were those like just yeah. heart cries out to God? We don't know that. I would love 
to imagine that. Um, but we do, I feel like in the names, we kind of see this progression. Totally, yeah. So the first, I feel like we got to go over them because honestly, we got Reuben, right? Is that the first one? It's like yeah, Reuben, Levi, and Judah, I think, mm-hmm. are the three names. I think yes, that's the, the first right one. Order. She named him Reuben for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. That's verse 32. Mm. And uh, I love this in the commentary uh, um, for that scripture. Reuben means see a son. See a son. So it would be that Yeah. not only she felt that God saw her, but she's mm-hmm. hoping that through this son, her husband would mm-hmm. see her. Mm-hmm. The second one was Simeon. Oh, so there's more than three. I skipped one. There's Simeon, then Simeon. And then Levi. And Simeon sounds like the Hebrew word for heard. To be heard. Wow. Wow. Seen and then heard. Heard. And then Levi is like the Hebrew word for attached. Yeah. So connected. And I think it says, right, she she names him Levi, hoping it will attach her to... Yeah, now my husband will be attached Mm -hmm. to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was Levi. And then I think, so it's almost like the surprise in this story for Leah is that her, you know, the ultimate hope of her life is to kind of win the affection mm-hmm. of this man. But what she, the gift God gives her is an attachment to himself, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Like, to be seen, to be I heard, you, to be attached. I hear you. I'm with you. Yeah. And then that's, it's just interesting. And it, it does, it makes you think about that sort of, I just think those desires of our heart are not to be, dismissed you know it's not she's not to be because she wanted to be beautiful or wanted to be loved there's nothing shameful in that and that God's really just honoring that and Mm -hmm. saying I want to give that I want to be the one to give that Mm. to you it's really a beautiful thing I love that I've never I I hadn't thought about like hearing the names as as her prayers Mm -hmm. to be seen and then like to read that as to be seen to be Mm -hmm. heard to be connected to be attached yeah and then ultimately that led to her having all of those things and then mm-hmm. returning that back yeah. to God through worship. Oof. Hmm. That's powerful. That's yeah. Naming as conversation is interesting. It makes me think, what are the things in my life? I'm not naming children right now, but I'm what, what am I yeah. bringing forth into the world and really like taking time to kind of name that mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, for me, a lot of that has happened like in my therapist chair. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she's helped me really name some things and yeah. go, here's what was going on in that. Here's, mm-hmm. you were acting like this. What you, This is what you really wanted, mm-hmm. you know? And I think when I can get really honest about what I really want, that is the place where God so often meets me. Yeah, You know, when the, the pretense of whatever I'm trying to make happen in my life is stripped away and it's like, well, here's what I really want. I just wanted someone to see me. I just wanted, Mm -hmm. I just wanted someone to acknowledge this or, you know, (laughs) yes. Thank God for therapy because I I know there 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 this have been those, those moments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There have been those moments even in our marriage this year. You know, I think 2020 has hit everyone in different mm-hmm. ways, and we were learning new dialogue for that. And mm-hmm. and and it's less about fighting through the things that 
mm-hmm. you know, making our way through the argument. Mm-hmm. And it's more about going to the root of the thing mm-hmm. and saying, what is it that I really feel in this? And, and I, I do love that we get a glimpse of that in her story of, yeah. you know, it's not spelled out, but wow. Yeah. Through the naming of the sons, it is that like digging down deeper and going, okay, I'd, I, I'm not trying to win this argument. What I actually really want is, is to not feel so lonely right now. Mm-hmm. And I think when we, there is so much power in naming things and calling them what they are. So I love that. That resonates a lot with me. I think the story also just kind of reminds me how many times in scripture people, people of God think that this solution, this way, this, this final outcome, this fruit it's got to be the answer. Right. And God just doesn't give it that way. Right. And because I keep thinking, gosh, what would this have been like if, you know, the story went like she had the son and he's like, you're my favorite, you know? Because wouldn't it be like, oh, she prayed and she said, now my, my husband will love me. And she prayed and asked God to do so. She had a son and then now he's there, ha- live happily ever after. Right. But it doesn't go that way, not just because it's, you know, a literary thing. It's it's that God sh- literally chooses to show us over and over in so many of the people and all those that he uses mm-hmm. um, to tell the story of redemption through that um, he doesn't just give us what we think we desire by our own wisdom right. because he's always laying the groundwork right. for what is the the actual, the true satisfaction of our hearts, right? Yeah. And so we're sitting here talking about naming what we really desire and really what is at the core, what we feel like is really missing. And to for her to ultimately come to the point where she realizes she had all those sons that she was hoping to have, but she still didn't have that one thing that mm-hmm. she was thinking it was going to accomplish. And God ultimately the praising him, what she was made for. She was made to praise him Mm -hmm. and to kind of come full circle and kind of step into what she was created ultimately for. Um, I think that's something that we all need. We all need to recognize like all that, everything that's on our list right now, like we all have our things. Mm -hmm. If If this could go well, if I could, if he could just accomplish this in my life, then, then things will be okay. Um, and none of those things ever mm-hmm. happen in the timing or in the way that I desire. Um, but if I can come about to ultimately praise him in that, like Leah did, mm-hmm. then um, then he is accomplishing the ultimate goal mm-hmm. for why I was created. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It's so hard to kind of desire the praising of him more than the tidying of your circumstances. Well, I think, too, when you realize, man, I, I'm listening to this and listening to you guys share your stories and your experiences going, isn't it awesome that the story of God in the scripture um, doesn't play out, you know, like in the temple, like Mm -hmm. the story of God plays out in real Mm, messy lives in a family and weird dynamics and all of that stuff that we experience. bad choices even, right? Bad choices. And I think we kind of, we think about our lives and our history and we go, okay, I wonder what God has to do with any of that. And he has everything to do with that. And he's in the middle of that and accomplishing so much. And I think, man, this story is a perfect example of that, of, of that, you know, it doesn't even just end with, okay, and now she has four 
sons, but those four sons now will become, you know, the leaders of these right, right. Yeah. tribes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. ask me to name the other tribes because, again, you know, I, I'm the beginner in this conversation. <laughs> but how beautiful is that? That I think there there is just this reminder that hey, in the um, even when I when I think about Jesus, he always spoke to people in the reality of their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, he just cuts through kind of a lot of that religious stuff and just yeah. says, hey, mm-hmm. what you're actually experiencing, I want to do something yeah. uh, in the middle. And that. I love that we can also remember that when we read it, you know, we started this this conversation off kind of saying, it's really rough to talk about a story, this this one story that we kind of go, this does not represent well, like yeah. what <laughs> I think my whole faith is about, you know, like oh, it's right. kind of a really crazy story. <laughs> But when you look, that's why it's so important to read scripture in the whole context of scripture, right? right? The ultimately, from Genesis 1 until the mm. very last chapter of Revelation is telling the entire story of redemption. And just like you said, Taylor, this story fits into his story. This is mm. not a story ultimately about Leah. Right. This is not a story ultimately about any of these characters. It's not actually about Jacob. It's Mm -hmm. ultimately, every story is ultimately about Jesus. Jesus is not a main character in the narrative that we're reading right here, but it's ultimately to set up everything about the heart of God. And so we see little snippets. They're like little windows into the heart of God. But when we see all of scripture, rather than try to like be like, this is an episode of this show, you know, oh, this little episode. <laughs> Rather than looking at it as like this one little piece, we say, okay, it's a piece of the larger picture. Um, yeah. Then I stop, I, I stop feeling like I want to rewrite the story because there's a part of me that wants to rewrite the story of Leah and be like, this is not the way it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, if it were up to me, this, yeah. should, yeah. this should have <laughs> been this way and Sayonara, she should have, yeah. you know... Like, he should have recognized how pretty she was or whatever, you know? Like, you just want to rewrite it. But you don't want to rewrite the story when you realize, oh, it fits into the entire gospel story. It fits Mm, into the entire redemption story that took that much time for God to reveal. And so we're coming in in the middle of that. And I love that there's messy lives and Difficult choices, bad choices, imperfect choices, bad attitudes. Mm-hmm. Leah didn't even have the perfect attitude. It's not like right. she's the hero here, you know, like she's working through her own manipulation and doubt and all that stuff. And God uses all our imperfections and all our weaknesses to accomplish his intended purpose. He mm-hmm. will accomplish the story of redemption and will even use this situation. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful that there is a. There's such a greater context. And I heard you say this when we were having this conversation a few weeks back about you said something like, if you can imagine that your life is one word in a poem. Uh-huh. Do, do you remember how you said that? Do you mind oh, repeating that? Sure. Well, this was from a sermon that I still, one of the ones I still really remember. And he asked this question, uh, you know, what, what would it mean if you, uh, there's a verse in Ephesians chapter four, it says we are God's workmanship or we are God's masterpiece, but that word is poema. And he asked the question, you know, what, what would it mean if for you to believe that your life is poetry? Mm-hmm. And if you felt like the 
moment you're in now is maybe one word in that poem. Could you believe that, uh, that the story that's being told, the poem that's being written is actually something beautiful? Hmm. Um, you know, and that beautiful also, it's an interesting word. Um, Rachel's called beautiful and Leah is not. And yet, I think it's interesting that that Leah feels like she needs to be useful to mm-hmm. her husband to yeah. be loved. I think what God says so much asks us to put down the idea of being useful yeah. and to believe that maybe that there is a beauty that we possess that he gives yeah. to us. And there's a beautiful story being told. And it's so less about us being useful to God and more about us letting him, I think, write a beautiful story with our lives. Yeah. Where do we see God's faithfulness? I know we've kind of already Mm. touched on this, but where do we see God's faithfulness in Leah's story? I also want to ask, where do we see, do do we see Leah's faithfulness? Uh, You know, because I think, I think this whole faithful project we're exploring all of these women's stories and talking about ways that God is working in their lives. But at the same time, it is about switching the perspective a little bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. like for me to be able to see this story through a, a very different lens than how I heard it growing up mm-hmm. um, and to go, where do we see these women's faithfulness in to God in these stories? And Ruth, like you just said, it would be so easy for her to go like, mm, I don't really... I don't want this to be my story, you know, um, or for her to keep trying or for her to get to the fourth son and keep, you know, and to, and to continue down that same road of, I'm going to just keep, I'm going to aim for what I'm aiming for. And then you see, you see Leah's faithfulness to God. So I'm, I'm curious, is there, yes, we see God's faithfulness in in what ways, but how do we also see Leah's faithfulness to God, even through such interesting circumstances? And how, do, how is that applicable to, to us now? You know, I think the interesting thing about so many Bible stories is <laughs> that, you know, we might be looking at this one chapter, but goodness, that family is messy. And this whole, this whole group of people, like, right. it, it's not like after this, Leah, like, <laughs> worshiped God and was like an incredible member of her community and (laughs) brought (laughs) so many to worship all the time. Like, it's not this tidy story. And Mm. she isn't the beacon and the the heroine of like all like, wow, this is how we worship. Totally. It's not that. But I think what we recognize is that God chose to tell a story through Leah by showing like, regardless of what circumstance, regardless of what era you were born into, what circumstance, what conflicts, what bad situation, what um, shouldn't be, you know, this shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be that he has two wives. It shouldn't be that there would be trickery involved and that there would be a degrading measuring of these women. It shouldn't be that. But rather than fix the injustice ourselves, Leah was faithful by saying, in this moment, I will do I will surrender Mm. to what I've been given. I mean, I will surrender because really, I don't know about you guys, but I'm assuming since I kind of know you all a little bit here that we're all three of us would probably go and change a circumstance right away. We'd be like, you know what? This shouldn't be. I'm going to find justice. I'm going to right the wrong. I'm going to make it right. 
but there's a there's a faithfulness that God calls us to right where we are. And mm-hmm. we all three of us are living in different situations. We three of us have totally different life seasons going mm-hmm. on, right? Mm-hmm. And I can look back in my 20s, I can look back in my 30s, and now I'm in my 40s, and I can say, okay, I would have liked to rewrite some of my circumstances in my 20s, some of my circumstances in my 30s, and honestly, some of my circumstances right now. Mm-hmm. But God calls me to be faithful right now, not to fix everything, but to surrender to the current circumstance and say, in this moment, how do I faithfully step into doing the most with what I've been given? Yeah. And in her circumstance, it was... I, for right motivation or not, she knew she could bless her husband by bearing children. Mm-hmm. And that's just what she chose to do. And ultimately, God, we don't get the picture of it, but God ultimately turned her heart so that mm-hmm. she ultimately was able to say, I'm surrendering in this moment to even ultimately say, I'll just give up my praise. Like I, what I can yeah. do. Can't do much else, but I can praise God. And so I think about the fact that it's easy to point out God's faithfulness. God, it it tells us that God saw her. God gave her children. God um, showed his loving kindness towards her. But for on her part, it's that she maybe didn't have a choice, but at the same time she chose to give what she could her the thing she could give is the praise of her heart, and she ultimately chose to be faithful there. Mm. And we can all do that yeah. in whatever circumstance we're in, yeah. whatever season we're in, too. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah. I don't know, because there is a, a, there's a hard thing in this, I think, even hearing that question of, or I think in my own life, um, sometimes I can attach God's faithfulness almost like, to like it, that's a reward for my good behavior. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. in this story, when we hear, you know, that sentence, I just feel like could potentially be painful for some people mm. to read. Yeah. You know, God saw she was hated and gave her, like, opened her room. Mm-hmm. You know, and sure. I and I thought, man, that's a tough one. You know, uh, being raised myself by a woman who couldn't have children, mm-hmm. I think that can be like a hard thing. And and again, like this is written so long ago and, and there's a, there's a lot I don't understand about what's happening there. Um, I think for me, it's, it's, I have to remind myself that uh, God's faithfulness isn't a reward for, for anything I've done necessarily, like that his love always precedes my own, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. think, I think the gift he gave to her was like what we talked about, being seen, being heard, a place of belonging. He gave her the gift of praise, of kind of coming to this time. And he gave her uh, the gift of these four people to nurture and and, and care for. I'm so glad you honestly said that because I think we would be remiss not to address that, to say that's yet another reason, ladies, why— we have to look at the character of God throughout Scripture and not just say, oh, we learn everything about, in this one sentence, God saw that she was not loved, so yeah. she was given children. Mm-hmm. We can't take that verse and yeah. say, that, <laughs> is, the way God, that yeah. is, is the way God operates. Because yeah. yeah. you're right, there might be somebody who's listening going, oh my goodness, like, since he didn't open my womb, did he? does he not see me? Well, mm-hmm. this is 
This yeah. is one action. This is one way mm-hmm. God chose to work here. But you can look throughout Scripture and see that it's not a it's not a um, cause and effect with God. Mm-hmm. We don't get to direct God's blessings based yeah. on our actions, and that's not the way He operates. Sure. And so that's a relief. It's a relief to say, okay, He writes a story and chooses to use circumstances in the way that will bring Him maximum glory in that particular circumstance and mm-hmm. that particular thing. But um, I love that you brought that up because as a service to any sister listening, Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're saying like, we don't look at these stories ever as like, this is a formula Mm -hmm. or prescriptive for how God works. Mm -hmm. It is a reminder that God is the the hero and the redeemer in every story. And sometimes Mm -hmm. those stories make perfect sense to us, but most of the time Mm -hmm. they don't actually. I mean, even Jesus dying on the cross does not actually make sense to me, right? (laughs) I don't actually like the way that worked. And Mm -hmm. it's not a one for one, like this is what happened and therefore this is the right cause and effect, you know, correlation. It's never that way. And so the mystery to it is that Mm -hmm. ultimately we do press in with every account Mm -hmm. and say, what is he trying to accomplish in this yeah. story? And we can yeah. truly agree that in this story, God's accomplishing the gift of seeking her heart. Sure. In of it. I'm so curious what happened in between sin number three and four. Hmm. Because four, hmm. when, before, yeah. when she has Judah, she says, this time yeah. I'll praise the Lord. And we don't really mm-hmm. get any of the you know, years in between. But I think something in her life had to happen for her to kind of come to a place where she says, this time I'll praise the Lord. And I think you're so right that the faithfulness I see being played out in this story is that a very ordinary thing of she, I think she just shows up to her life, you know? And I think she experiences even a glimpse of something that we see in the life of Jesus, which is she carries her joy and her sorrow and she finds actually joy at the end of Mm. you know many years of pain thanks for listening to today's episode to learn more about our music books merchandise or when a faithful event will be coming near you please visit us at faithfulproject.com or follow us on social media at faithfulproject The Faithful Project is brought to you by Compassion International, Integrity Music, and David C. Cook Publishing. To find out how you can play a vital role in releasing children from poverty, please visit Compassion.com slash faithful. Until next time, now go and speak.